0: Hello, Mechanicsville Church family and anyone else who may be listening. It's a joy to come to you today and to share God's word with you. We will still be having our drive-in services on Sunday as a result of the uh, restrictions placed on us even in phase one of our uh, opening up. And uh, I hope that you can join us on Sunday. If not, I'm glad that you are here and able to listen today. In the book of Malachi, we find these words in chapter 1. Verses 1 through 5. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts. They may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. The people of Israel doubted God's love for them. Their eyes looked more at their harsh conditions than at the Lord. Malachi went to great lengths to show God still loved them. Richard Conniff writes in National Geographic that on January 12th, In 1997, two Swiss men set out to be the first to circle the Earth in a balloon. Their aircraft was called the Britling Orbiter, and it was a high-tech masterpiece complete with solar panels and an airtight capsule for pressurized flight at high altitudes that would enable them to fly the jet stream at 200 miles an hour. Price tag, $1.5 million. Shortly after liftoff, however, calamity struck. With the cabin sealed tight and pressurized, the pilots suddenly noticed strong kerosene fumes. Soon they emailed their control center. Kerosene's coming through each pipe on both inside tanks, and we cannot tighten them anymore. It is a nightmare. Answer quickly. They were advised to lower their altitude, open the capsule, and hold on until they could reach the coast of Algeria. The fumes proved overwhelming, however, and they were forced to ditch on the Mediterranean. The cause of the kerosene link, a clamp, like those used on an automobile radiator hose, had failed. Price tag, $1.16. It doesn't take much to undermine a great enterprise. God intends that the Christian life be a triumphant journey, but often we allow small things like doubt or fear to scuttle God's grand plan for us. As a child, did you ever doubt that your parents loved you? Maybe they spanked you for some wrongdoing. Maybe you did not get something you wanted. You began to doubt that your parents loved you. Later, you likely realized in your immaturity, Malachi dealt with some spiritually immature people who doubted God's love for them. Even today, people sometimes have health problems, financial problems, or relationship problems, and begin to doubt God's love for them. And even in times like today, we can have doubts about God's love. But let's look at this passage of scripture. God's love is God loves us with a sovereign love. Verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. Malachi began his prophecy in verse 2 with God's reminder, I have loved you. Hosea, the first minor prophet in the Bible, majored on God's redeeming love. Then Malachi, the last of the writing prophets, openly stated God's love for his people. In doing so, he reaffirmed what Moses had clearly taught in the book of Deuteronomy. Love is the foundation from which all true Christianity flows. Out of a heart of love, God created us. He didn't need us. However, love desires to share itself, so he crafted us. God fashioned us to share his great love with us. He sustains us for this same reason. He calls us to receive his son and live with him for eternity. Why? Because he loves us. The Israelites had seen God's great hand during the exodus. They knew of many occasions in their history when God spared them, sometimes miraculously because of his ways, for instance, when God rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the blazing furnace. After the first wave of exiles returned in 538 B.C., they continued to hear of God's great love for his people as shown by Daniel's deliverance from the lion's den in 536 B.C. The Jewish deliverance from genocide in 474 B.C. through Mordecai and Esther during the reign of Xerxes should have reminded the returned exile that God cares for his people. But they were always concerned with what God had done for them lately. God demonstrated his immense love when Cyrus gave a decree to allow the Jews to return to their homeland and to carry with them the items captured from the temple. Jews in Babylon likely would have known the remarkably specific prophecies of Isaiah made some 200 years before Cyrus's birth, prophecies that mention him by name. Regardless of who knew of Isaiah's prophecy or of Jeremiah's, Cyrus certainly fulfilled them because God put it on his mind to do so. The first departure of the exiles from Babylon took place in 538 B.C. The people finished the temple around 516 B.C. Malachi spoke to the returned exiles, their children and their grandchildren, 50 years or more afterward. In the meantime, they had struggled economically and politically. Many now doubted whether God cared at all. This sovereign love does not mean irresistible grace. The people's question, how have you loved us, challenged the fact of God's great love and made clear they doubted it. Like many today, they looked at their present circumstances rather than believing God and appreciating his great acts of the past. Their present circumstances consisted of dire poverty and unfulfilled hopes of freedom from foreign rule. Though undoubtedly freer than when they lived in Persia, they no longer wanted to know, what have you done for me? but rather, what have you done for me lately? People can and do refuse the grace of God, even when it is present in their lives every day. Constantly people question the ways of God in their personal lives. When things seem to not be going our way, that's when we begin to question. Sovereign love does not mean predetermined election. God wants to save all. In First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is good and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter 3, 9 teaches, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is God's desire out of his love for you that you come to know him. God does not predetermine, but he does foreknow. He knew us from our beginnings. During Peter's walk on the water, he took his eyes off the Lord and looked at the waves caused by the wind. He instantly began to sink. When God's people focus more on their current circumstances than on the Lord, they also flounder. The Israelites had trusted God enough to make the lengthy and dangerous journey from Babylon. They trusted God enough to build the temple. When stopped for their, from their efforts finally finishing the temple around 516 B.C. But then many years had passed. Why hadn't God freed them completely? Why hadn't prosperity come? Why hadn't Israel become a ruling nation once again? Often people can rise up for a big moment. It is in the day-by-day waiting and working, though, that God builds character and faithfulness if people continue to trust Him. They should have remembered Psalm 37, 34. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. Yet let's not be too hasty to judge. Christians today have the New Testament, the words and example of Jesus, and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. We have far less reason to doubt God's love than the returned exiles. Yet we also can allow our circumstances to cause us to doubt God's rich love. Sovereign love means God doesn't give up on us. God is completely sovereign. Within his sovereignty, God chose to create men and women with the ability to choose. We call it free will. Where the will of an individual and the sovereignty of God meet in salvation, I cannot see, but I know they meet. Sovereign love means God keeps his promises even when we do not. God promises us eternal life. God promises to walk with us each day. We need to claim those promises each day. The second point of these verses is that God loves us with a strong love. We see that in verse 3. Most of us cannot understand the Lord's loving Jacob and his offspring Israel, though they didn't deserve it. Yet he loved them. He also loves us, though we do not deserve it. God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This side of heaven, we cannot grasp the fullness of his great mercy toward his children, but we can understand something of it. How can we comprehend, though, his hatred of Esau? Were you asked ten people if God hates any person, nine likely would say, no, God is a God of love. They might even say something like, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Yet in Malachi 1.3, God clearly said, I hated Esau. How can we understand this? First of all, God did not choose to love one group in order to populate heaven and choose to hate the other in order to populate hell. God would have accepted any Edomite who repented of his or her sins and worshipped him. In the genealogy of Jesus, two foreigners, Rahab and Ruth, hold prominent places. Yet both Rahab and Ruth came from pagan nations and originally followed pagan gods. God mercifully saved them. God wants everyone to be saved. And the third point we see is in verse 4. God loves us with a steadfast love. When the Lord spoke through Malachi, I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau, he showed how he preferred one over the other in redemption history. Ultimately, however, he wants every person to be part of his redemption. Consider 1 Timothy 2, verses 3. Through six, this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus himself, human, who gave himself a ransom for all. God clearly wants everyone saved and gave Jesus as the ransom for this, that salvation. Or consider Isaiah 53:6. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. In this passage, reformist and traditional Christians both agree that all have sinned and gone astray. But look at the last part of the verse. The fact that God laid onto Jesus the iniquity of us all. Christ's atonement was unlimited that all who come to Christ can be saved and enjoy his love forever. This is the meta-narrative, the story behind the stories of the Bible, the ultimate intention of the Father that all know and love His Son, Jesus Christ. And we have a perfect opportunity in this time to share that love with others, to lead them to an understanding of Christ. And then we see in verse 5, the fourth point. God loves us with a seeking love. According to the Chicago Tribune in the summer of 1994, a love-struck Brazilian artist was distraught over the breakup of a four-year relationship with his girlfriend. He tried to win back her love by a gesture of great devotion. He walked on his knees for nine miles with pieces of car tires tied to his kneecaps. The 21-year-old man shuffled along for 14 hours before he reached her home in Santos, Brazil. He was cheered on by motorists and those passing by. But when he reached the end of his marathon of love, thoroughly exhausted, the 19-year-old woman of his dreams was not impressed. She had intentionally left her home to avoid seeing him. Some people try similar acts of devotion to impress God and earn salvation. Like this woman, God is not impressed. The only thing that brings the forgiveness of sin is faith in Jesus Christ, not sacrificial deeds. God graciously granted his love to us who believe. He has shown us his covenant love through the generations of his redemptive family in the Bible. He continues to show it through those who receive Jesus as their Savior and follow him as their Lord. Let us look not only at our present circumstances, but at our priestly Christ. Through him, people can still know the immeasurable love of God. Your eyes shall see. And you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. God loves us. He loves each of us. And he wants us to come to him. And he wants us as followers of him to lead others to him as well. Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, we know of your great love for us. We know, Father, that in that love you have redeemed us through Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Father, for the prophecy of Malachi, as difficult as it may be to hear. And yet we know, Father, that you would call all of us to come to you. Bless us, Father, as we continue to walk beside you as you lead us along the way. In the name of Jesus, amen.